0: Welcome to the Cybersecurity TLDR Show, where we save you time by providing you the too-long-didn't-read summary of cybersecurity topics and news. You can find us on YouTube or video and all the popular podcasting platforms for audio on the go. Now let's get over to your host, John Good. Hello, 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 and welcome to the Cybersecurity TLDR Show. This is your weekly recap For April 17th, 2022, to April 23rd, 2022. We are filming this on April 23rd, 2022. If you are joining us live, thank you for joining us. If you're watching the replay, awesome, glad to have you. If you're live with us, head on over to my other channel after this show, John Good Cyber, for the after show. All right, without any further delay, and also before we get started, if you want to listen to this on podcasting format, we are available on all podcasting platforms, so your iTunes, your Spotify, and any other platform that you want to listen on that for. But otherwise, we are doing this live currently on YouTube. All right, let's get into it. So, top headlines. The very first headline that we had for the week that's really important, is the SEC is about to force CISOs, so Chief Information Officer, Security Officers, into America's boardrooms. So I did make a post about this on LinkedIn, and there was a lot of buzz about this on LinkedIn. But this article mentions that they need to get cyber expertise into the boardroom. And I think that, you know, that that's hard to get to that expertise level, right? You have to get somebody who has a lot of experience, who can communicate with the board. And all of those are challenges, especially in a field like cybersecurity, where you know people tend to be a little bit more on the introverted side. Maybe they don't have those soft skills, but they have the technical skills, right? And that's why they, they do really good at their job. But I think that it starts with at least increasing the cyber competency. And that, that's the word that I would prefer over cyber expertise, especially you know initially, but this makes a lot of sense. We want to increase the knowledge that our our boards have with regards to cybersecurity because they'll think about that with the strategy, and it'll just be overall better, right? And I'm personally interested in hearing more about the accountability piece with this because if you simply take a CISO and you put them onto the board you are, you know, you're putting more accountability on that person and you haven't really changed much. So, for instance, a company could come in and they could just restrict the funding towards cybersecurity efforts and then when they get breached, they can just dispose of that current CISO. And you know, if you're wondering what a current tenure for a CISO is, it's only a couple years and that's for a lot of different reasons depending on the company, the culture. You know, some companies are just very resistant to security. They are very much into kind of the blame game kind of deal. And that's very hard with security because, you know, it's, it's easy, right? If there's a breach, you can just put all the blame on that CISO. That's a pretty easy thing to do, even though that's not the right thing to do. And personally, I would like to see a change of title. So instead of us calling these people CISOs, we'll call them, uh, which is Chief Information Security Officer. I'd like to call them something like a CISA. So Chief Information uh, Security Advisor or something with the advisor uh, in their title because our job is to advise the business so they can make the ultimate risk-based decision. And that kind of title change makes it really clear where the accountability exists. Obviously, with cybersecurity if somebody's in charge of that whole process and that whole program there are things that that person is responsible for but when it comes to overall budgeting and funds and just overall support if we in security don't have the business support it really doesn't matter so that it's not all a security accountability thing. There is quite a bit of accountability on other people that control the funds, that control the support, and things like that. But I think getting somebody into the boardroom is a really good idea. All right, so next article. Uh, Stolen OAuth tokens used to download data from dozens of organizations, GitHub warns. So GitHub uncovered that threat actors using stolen OAuth user tokens to gain access to their repositories and download private data from several organizations. Uh, Threat actors abused tokens through two third-party OAuth integrations, Heroku and Travis CI. Now, if you can take things like OAuth tokens and be able to use them, you know, it's, it's just like an API kind of deal, right? Where you can really take advantage or extort, take data, whatever, from private repos, from private repositories, or just modify data. And, you know, that, that's a real concern. And with GitHub and all these repos, you know, that's been an issue for a while. Some of the issues are there's secrets that are stored in those repos, Or there's hard-coded passwords and all kinds of different things. So, you know, losing your tokens is obviously really, really bad. you got to protect those. Now, the next article, mute button in conferencing apps may not actually mute your mic. So I want you to think about that for a second. Might not actually mute your microphone. The apps might still be listening when you're on mute. And imagine all those things that could be heard if they can do that. If they can unmute your microphone basically without you even knowing about it and you think it's on mute. I would consider getting a hard, uh, a microphone with a hardware, a physical kind of hardware switch to mute it, you know, especially if you're really concerned about it or something where it is in line with your microphone where you can mute the microphone. This is you know this makes me think about with our phones and I'm sure I'm not alone in this when you say something or you're talking about something and um and then all of a sudden you start getting ads right have you have you been victim to that I think a lot of people have and you know we know that there was a lot of talk about governments being able to enable microphones and things like that but now we're talking about third parties and private companies who can actually listen to what you're saying without your consent really i think that's really dangerous and i i'm kind of appalled that that's you know a capability that's even allowed because that's really, you know, starting to be invasive. Uh, because you don't know what you're going to hear, first of all. And it's not really, you know, transparent, right? They're not out there shouting that they can do this. And, um, yeah, that, that's kind of scary. Uh, critical chipset uh, chip bugs open millions of Android devices to remote spying. So three security vulnerabilities have been disclosed in the audio decoders of Qualcomm and MediaTek chips that if left unresolved could allow an adversary to remotely gain access to media and audio conversations from affected mobile devices. And this only requires sending a specially crafted audio file. You know, from my, cons- uh, my uh, perspective, what is the difference between the two? right it's just a matter of who's doing it right private companies or hackers i don't think that either is one that i really want to give up that access to and i i don't think you should either so you know very concerning that this is becoming for one that this is becoming a hot topic again but you know for two that it's even possible or it's even a discussion right that, that needs to be fixed immediately because that, vi- that is a very big concern. Enemy bot, a new DDoS botnet, appears in the threat landscape. So researchers from Fortinet discovered a new DDoS botnet, and that's distributed denial-of-service botnet, uh, tracked as enemy bot that has targeted several routers and web servers by exploiting known vulnerabilities. The botnet targets multiple architectures including ARM, BSD, x. Uh, 64x86, and this is linked to cybercrime group uh, Kexec. And when it installs, it drops a file in your slash temp directory. It is called dot uh, pond or dot and targets uh, IoT devices. Uses obfuscation techniques to avoid detection, and it h- and hides its command and control traffic on the Tor network. So. You know botnets and uh, trojans and things like that using Tor is not new. Um, yeah, ju- just an interesting, interesting article. Another botnet. You know these things seem like they are springing up everywhere. And um, yeah, I, I'm not sure how we how we stop it. You know we have to be more secure, keep things more secure. And yeah, hopefully. Like Microsoft when they were shutting down a bunch of domains and things like that. Hopefully, a lot of these companies that are hosting this stuff, you know, really get good at being able to detect this stuff and shut it down before it even happens. Uh, Lazarus Group behind 540 million dollar Axie Infinity crypto hack and attacks on chemical sector. U.S. Treasury Treasury Department has implicated the North Korean backed Lazarus Group in the theft of 540 million from video game Axie Infinity's Ronin Network last month. Uh, by sanctioning the wallet address, the move prohibit, prohibits U.S. individuals and entities from transacting with it to ensure that the state-sponsored group can't cash out any further funds. So if you're not familiar with what happens a lot of times with hacks like this, is uh, or even just with you know nation states like North Korea that are sanctioned heavily where they can't do a lot of other stuff, is they try to uh, launder money, launder money kind of essentially through these cryptocurrency protocols and these wallets and, you know, turn it into currency that they can use. And, uh, you know, with uh, Bitcoin and all these cryptocurrencies, a lot of these wallets are tracked and you can, you can see, you know, the transactions for the, the cryptocurrency and things like that. There's basically like a register and yeah, I mean, I'm not sure exactly, you know, sanctioning of the wallet address. The reason why I'm kind of skeptical is because really with a lot of cryptocurrency, it's kind of the wild, wild West. So there, there's really a question of, you know, what can be regulated, how it can be regulated. And that's why there's so much skepticism in general, you know, with, with cryptocurrency, it's, it's different, right? So I'd be interested to seeing if that, you know, really is something that they can stop, or if they're just more of doing this as, you know, an administrative kind of thing, like we are saying this, and then if somebody transacts with it, then they will actually go after that person or those people. Uh, Read the Facebook papers for yourself. In fall of 2021, members of U.S. Congress and Western journalists obtained access to internal Facebook documents. Documents included research reports, proposals, presentations, and employee conversations about Facebook's awareness of real-world harms that result from their platform. You know, it's always interesting how uh, the government is very concerned about these private company activities, but would they be as concerned if there was a government activity like this, right? And that, that's always a question that, you know, comes up with this. But, you know, a platform like Facebook, there's a lot of psych- psychological aspects that are going into what they do, right? Like why they put this button here, why they offer this as an option when they do. And that's, you know, that's with, online in general, whether that's online shopping, whether that's online websites, you know, whatever it is, right? There's a lot of psychology that goes into that. But, you know, again, just Facebook really admitting internally that they know what what they're doing and how their platform can cause harm, you know, it is interesting. And it seems like it's this constant struggle between lawmakers and then platforms like this as far as you know, what did you know? Is that really a bad thing? You know, how can we punish you? And all this stuff is always a discussion, right? And it seems like it doesn't really make a lot of a uh, lot of ground usually when they have these discussions. It's usually a back and forth, and then there's some skepticism. There's some, you know, some uh, some downfall for these companies, and then it's you know, flips. So I don't know. Uh, LinkedIn brand takes the lead as the most impersonated in phishing attacks. So LinkedIn, who's been on LinkedIn and got a bunch of phishing ask kind of messages or requests, things like that. Uh, security researchers are warning that LinkedIn has become the most spoofed brand in phishing attacks accounting for more than 52% of all such incidents at a global level. The second most mimicked brand was German package delivery, DHL. So, you know, again, this is attackers really going after where people are at, going after that watering hole, if you will. Ukraine war stokes uh, concerns in Taiwan over its fragile internet leaks. Kiev's successful use of Internet counter Moscow highlights Taiwan's reliance on undersea Internet cables that China could cut. China and Taiwan have their own, you know, history. And this is very similar to a concern that I brought up in, a, in last week's episode about uh, Hawaii and undersea cables for Internet going there as well. You know, this is something that is real, and it's interesting that it's all of a sudden becoming part of the discussion right now. But, you know, again, if you can cut off a country from using the internet because of how connected we are right now, I mean, that is quite the challenge, right? That, that could cause a lot of issues. And then what about some of the larger companies if you did that to them, right? Uh, You know, again, just a very, it's a very interesting concern, and again, I'm not sure why necessarily this seems to be coming up. I mean, obviously, you know, with this, this is kind of in that area, that geographic region, but even like Hawaii, you know, we went, what, uh, 20, 30 years, a long time with the internet and kind of the evolution of this, and I'm sure those cables aren't brand new, but... Yeah. Uh Okta says Lapsus breach lasted twenty-five minutes and had impacted two customers. So Okta disclosed that a forensics investigation found that the hacker group Lapsus accessed two active customer tenants during the January breach. The threat actor actively controlled a workstation for their third party tell for twenty-five minutes. The impact is less than Okta's original number, which they said three hundred and sixty-six customers. And now it's just two. Even in this article, it touches on again that Okta was slow to respond and they weren't as forthcoming with information as they should have been. And again, you know, I've hit on this a lot, especially lately, but wow, you know, companies are just handling breaches very interestingly and they, you know, first... This is basically the evolution of what I have seen, right? And this has been across a lot of different breaches. First, deny, 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 right? (laughs) Second, come out and say, you accept it, you acknowledge it, and you've done, you know, the company's done everything that they can to really shut it down, really handle and resolve any issues that are related to this. The third situation is, you know, if... Uh, security people or somebody gets called to um, you know to, to Congress or something like that then it seems like they are much more forthright with the information even though they you know they still hold back right but it's just this evolution of where they go from extreme denial to you know much more open about what actually happened and I think sometimes you know that can be tied to how significant the breach was, right? If you say you had 366 customers impacted, I mean that's a pretty, you know, high number depending on how many customers you have and which customers those are. But then you identify and you find out that it's only two customers, well, that sounds a lot better, doesn't it? So, yeah, of course we're going to come out and say that. And I'm not picking on Okta specifically, right? This is I mean, they are just the They are just the the company that is, you know, in the spotlight right now. This is a lot of companies, and it's, you know, kind of scary. Um, I mean, being a security kind of company, because they they deal a lot with authentication, I, you know, I'd like to see them do a little bit better, but they are definitely not the worst as far as how they've responded. There are far, 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 far worse that have done so much worse. So, uh, new Five Eyes alert warns of Russian threats targeting critical infrastructure. So, Five Eyes, if you don't know what that is, it's United States, Australia, Canada, New Zealand, and United Kingdom. It's basically kind of this alliance that they call the Five Eyes. And alert AA22-110A, Russian state-sponsored and criminal cyber threats to critical infrastructure provides details on cyber operations attributable to Russian state actors, including the Russian Federation Security Service, the FSB, Russian Foreign Intelligence Service, the SVR, Russian General Staff Main Intelligence Directorate, which is GRU, and Russian Ministry of Defense, Central Scientific Institute of Chemistry and Mechanics, and it also identifies criminal, criminal organizations including some which have expressed felt, uh, felty to the Russian Federation that have pledged to conduct cyber operations against entities that are support, uh, providing support to Ukraine. Threats to, cri- crimin- uh, thr- threats to critical infrastructure remain very real, said Rob Joyce, NSA cybersecurity director. So uh, they provide four immediate con- uh, concern areas here, and that would be patching, enforcing multi-factor authentication, monitoring remote desktop protocol connections, and providing end user awareness and training. So again, you know, this is still tied to that, the Russian Ukraine invasion, uh, the, the Russian invasion of Ukraine, excuse me. And, you know, there's a lot of back and forth Around everything, right? Like there's companies that are going after Russia. There are attackers that are going after Russia, or companies that support Russia. Russia is trying to fight back in the cyber realm, and you know, as far as just looking at it from an objective kind of standpoint, you know, if you're looking to get into cybersecurity, or you're in cybersecurity right now, you know, this is a very real thing, right? Uh, this this per from a cyber security standpoint, you know, this is going to affect a lot of people in the industry, especially, you know, people that deal with critical infrastructure. With critical infrastructure, you know, there there can be more requirements that are put into place, more things that you have to consider for from a cyber security standpoint. So maybe additional controls, maybe further segmentation, uh, further scrutiny on least privilege, You know, all these things matter. And this, you know, especially with countries that are more established, you know, just have an industrial, you know, a real presence right around the world. I think that cyber is definitely you know, more of a focus because I don't think in a lot of cases, you're going to have a lot more of these established kind of first world countries that are going to, you know, go at each other with regular warfare. Right. I don't see, um, you know, for instance, some of these, you know, historical battles, I don't see, you know, a lot of these countries going in with uh, tanks and things like that in most cases, right? Like, I guess if you had to, you know, maybe, but I think it's gonna go a lot more to the the cyber realm than the physical world. Uh, let's see here. Microsoft Office 2013 is gonna reach into support in April, 2023. So this is gonna be the the end of the extended support. Uh, You know, not much to report here, update your stuff. Don't let this turn into like an XP, uh, Windows XP kind of issue. Let's see, Cisco vulnerability lets hackers craft their own login credentials. So there was a new vulnerability CVE 2022-20695 impacting the Cisco wireless LAN controller software. Uh, this had a CVSS ver- version 3 score of 10 and allows remote attackers to log into target devices through the management interface without using a valid password. It's the result of impro- uh, improper implementation of the password validation algorithm. Uh, this was another one. So, researchers share in depth analysis of the uh, PISA, PYSA ransomware group. So, 18th month long analysis of the PISA ransomware operation has revealed that the cybercrime cartel followed a five stage software development cycle from August 2020, with the malware authors prioritizing features to improve the efficiency of their workflow. Uh, PISA is short for Protect Your System Amigo, and it's the third most prevalent ransomware strain detected in the fourth quarter of 2021. So who says that, you know, attackers can't improve their processes and their workflows? But, you know, that just goes to show you that uh, bad guys, the, you know, these ransomware groups, things like that, you know, the more sophisticated ones are operating like a, you know, software development company. They are... You know, probably following a lot of best practices in how they develop and they update uh, and maintain the software, right? Whether it's ransomware or not, and you know that's something to be definitely something to be concerned about. Uh, researchers break the world record for quantum encrypted communications. So the new quantum secure direct communications, the QSDC world record of one hundred and two. 2 kilometers or 64 miles shattered the old record of 18 kilometers or 11 miles. They hope that this work will lead to hack proof communication since any eavesdropping attempt on a quantum line can be instantly detected. This seems to be based on uh, speed and distance, but it is exciting to see major leaps like this, especially on long distance communication. So you know keep your eye out on this quantum computing and quantum everything is an evolving area and it's a it's an emerging area so we will see things in the future you know regarding this let's see here let's just check and make sure that there's no other big articles. Uh, let's look at this last one here real quick. Let's just cover this. Most email security approaches fail to block common threats. So a full 89% of organizations experience one or more successful email breaches during the previous 12 months, translating into big-time cost. An overwhelming, uh, overwhelming number of security teams believe that their email security system to be ineffective against the most serious inbound threats including ransomware. So that is just one that I wanted to hit on because remember, technology will only get you so far. But on things like email, if the email can get through, then, you know, it's it's really kind of game over. Um, if a user can click on that link or whatever it is, you know, that... That's an issue. You have to train your users. You have to plan for the worst case scenario. This is just like the zero trust architecture where we're assuming that somebody is already in our network. You have to assume that that is going to get through and how do our users respond to that when it does get through. So that is it for the articles for April 17th, 2022 to April 23rd, 2022. This has been the Cybersecurity TLDR weekly recap show for news and if you are joining us live head on over to my other channel john good cyber i'll be getting ready to go live there here in a minute right after this show Uh, thank you for joining me and i will see you next time